Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite subjects and we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I'm joined as always by my co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing buddy? I am doing fantastic. We got to sit down today with Mohana Delshiki, who's a comedian that we both love so much, so incredibly smart and funny. And we sat down today to talk about the history of the cop drama and police procedural. We trace that all the way from the very first novel to the very first story in the murder in the Rue Morgue. We also go through the history of police at the time, how they shaped the police drama and the insane deal that led to all of the cop shows we have today and their formatting, which is amazing that it not only existed to begin with, but somehow still exists now. This was one was so much fun to record. Uh, this is my birthday episode, by the way. It's my birthday tomorrow. This was a great one to talk about. Wow, fantastic. And also, I get to do one of my favorite things, which is rail against the show Cops. <laughs> That was, I mean, yeah, there was a lot to cover there, and Wen had some killer research on that. I thought the whole episode was going to be about the show Cops. I'm going to be honest. I was, I was very, I was very <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants for the rest of it. And it was, yeah, <laughs> we have so much to discuss, and uh, it was so much fun to do. We hope you guys enjoy it. So stick around. We've got even more for you here. Yeah, let's get into it. Mohanad, thank you so much for coming on today. I, I thought you had a really good topic idea. What did you want to discuss today? I wanted to talk about cop shows. So, so many of these. Like, I knew there were a lot, obviously, because I've turned on TV before. But <laughs> so many more than I expected. Because you mentioned SVU, which is one that you've watched constantly. And I cannot emotionally handle, so I have never seen. Because I'm aware of my limitations. I get it. I mean, it's pretty tough. I'm sure so many people are aware of what SVU is, but a special victims unit, and it usually deals with, like, sexual assault survivors and, like, and all of these, like, topics, so... It's not only that, it's the fact that there's so many episodes. I'm not going to jump in at this point. I'm not going to go back to the beginning of the most depressing show on television. <laughs> I mean, you don't really have to. That's the reason I like it, because there's not really a plot to follow. It's just, like, every episode is, like, completely different. So you can jump at, like, season 
and fifteen, and you're like, okay, I get what's happening here. Yeah, you'll get the gist. You'll you'll yeah. you'll understand basics just by hopping in whenever. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't watch many Law and Orders. The, the only one I really watched was when Law and Order: Criminal Intent briefly had Jeff Goldblum star in it because I felt like I had to. <laughs> I didn't really have a choice. I wanted to see Jeff Goldblum do this. And of course, he's wonderful as he always is. But for the most part, I haven't really gotten into the Law and Order series, but there are so many of them. And every time I, I watch it, it's obviously consistent because it's off of the formula. These stories didn't really happen, but come on, they happened. These are clearly based on real things. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly ripped from like the headlines. And you can tell which one they're talking about immediately. Yeah, I love it when it's just like, oh, this is a famous stand-up comedian who's doing some sketch. It's just like, yes, we know. Oh, we're yeah. aware of who this is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, this This next person, they have been engaged in a lot of, like, human trafficking. They have their uh, special island. It's not based on a real story. Joffrey Epstein. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not keeping this hidden. Yeah, and you're like, mm, who is this about? <laughs> who could this possibly be? <laughs> I do like the idea of some viewers just being absolutely baffled by this. And then like a year later, they see the headline is like, oh my God, I bet this was that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not hiding this. But no, I don't watch too many of them. But when I started looking into this, one of the things I was surprised about were like how many were cop shows that I didn't really consider cop shows like Angie Tribeca, Lucifer. These are police procedurals for all intents and purposes. But with a twist. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, Hannibal, Dexter, Mindhunter. I mean, it's like either the FBI or like the police, and it's just like, I mean, it's same. You know, you can't really tell the difference. It is, and one, one of the numbers I read was that 22% of all scripted shows on U.S. broadcast networks in the last 10 years were police procedurals. I mean, that an insane number. The other 78 were uh, medical dramas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You basically got three shows you're doing a lot of. Plus then, you know, the, the mountain of spinoffs. I mean, obviously all the Law and Order, NCIS, CSI have all had their spinoffs. I mean, NCS started this jag. I hate that we have another Hannibal Lecter, but not Hannibal Lecter cop procedural show <laughs> in this decade. Like, we just had Hannibal and now they're doing Clarice and I hate that I used to read those books a lot like I read all the Hannibal Lecter books and like with the thing of hindsight like it's a fun entertainment thing of just like oh we're gonna interview the serial killers but like if you actually did that they're gonna give you bad information right. every <laughs> single time okay so here's something you're gonna hate this takes place after the Hannibal issues, but they're not allowed to mention Hannibal Lecter in the show. Yeah, they're just like, remember that case that traumatized you? And like, they're right. just like alluding to it. Yeah, I understand the gist, but I just hope that that means that we could still get Mads Mikkelsen Hannibal later. Oh, I thought they weren't allowed to say anything. I thought this was like a contractual thing where they were so conflict. No, not in the Clarice show. Fuck that show. I don't oh, care okay, about good. that show. I'm talking about Hannibal, which was a work of art. <laughs> no, it, in Clarice, they're not allowed to mention Hannibal Lecter. So her massive trauma that underwent all of this, this cannot be brought up in the show that we're only watching because of this trauma. Fantastic. Can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, we're all excited for that one to be terrible. But I've also, of course, got some history on this. So I wanted to find out where some of this started. So I got back to the 1868 book Moonstone by Wilkie Collins. This is maybe the earliest example of the modern detective story as a novel. It's the story of a Scotland Yard detective investigating a diamond theft. And detective fiction doesn't even predate this by much. We've got Poe's 1840. Murder in the Rue Morgue, which is considered by many to be the first, as you, as you know from our novel episode, 
novels are so pretty recent. I just gotta say, we've all read Murders in the Rue more, correct? I mean, it's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> so I just love uh, spoilers for a book that came out 300 years yeah. ago. But like the twist, like the whole plot revolves around a monkey feeling shame that it did murder and trying to cover it up <laughs> by shoving a woman in a chimney. That was the big twist that distorted detective literature and it's insane. It is. Like, this was the standard that they're building up to it from this point on. I mean, the day before that, not have detectives that was it just like, go around and be like, did you see who did this? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, well, uh, case closed. That was, what well, was actually it. The detective. Where's a minority? We're going to blame it on them. <laughs> <laughs> the detective aspect of the police didn't even appear in England until 1842, two years before this novel. Before that, I mean, New York City and Chicago didn't even get detective units until 1857 and 1861, respectively. Prior to this, the police job was just seen as to prevent crime. They didn't solve it if it had already been committed. There was no detective. There was no investigation. It was like, hey, if we see you committing a crime, we're going to tell you to stop. And that was cops' entire job. So you're saying that before that, like, if there was a murder, there was no just like, we should probably ask, like, their spouse. Instead, it was just like, I didn't see it, and therefore, we're going to forget about it. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, looking into this, this the same way that there are people looking into crimes that might not be part of their unit. But honestly, the police didn't have any investigative tools. This was not a source for them. This wasn't anything they put any priority. Obviously, they realized if a guy's going to keep murdering, they got to stop him. Uh, you know, there's something we're going to try something about. And even if they see you committing the crime and they get to you and you're already like the person is already dead, they're like, okay, you finished the job. I mean, we can't. <laughs> That's we it. Can't it's really do crime, anything crime's about it. We done. can't prevent it and you got away with it. Well, next time. Well, we'll try to prevent it. Huh, this guy's good. Yeah, exactly. Wow, he's so quick. <laughs> I just can't imagine the first person who, like, got their hands on a gun and they were, like, so fast with it. They're, like, just like, here you go. <laughs> the first few people, like, had to stab someone. Like, by the time they get to the fifth one, the police came and it's just like, ah, now we got to prevent it. Yeah. <laughs> We, we only prevent, no, if, if it's already done, the cops are no longer involved, which is insane to think about. That This is, you have put a lot of money, and we even mentioned too, the New York City Police Force, which was like America's first police force, only came into existence because of the Christmas riots, where it was like, it got too violent that they decided to put cops as a standard thing because it was like, oh, okay, this is going to keep happening. And basically they did the same thing with detectives. It was like, oh, okay, they're going to keep committing crimes unless we find out why this happened without seeing them do it. Really cool thing to introduce for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what a Christmas miracle that is. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, that was a fun Christmas episode where, <laughs> too, where we got to cover that. And the, yes, the Christmas riots and, you know, congratulations, Merry Christmas. Now you have cops. So this is why in detective stories, you you didn't get detectives. You had amateurs. You had private eyes. And the amateurs weren't just heroes. They were at odds with bumbling cops who couldn't do their jobs without them. And, and Sherlock Holmes even says in his first book that he wants, uh, they obviously change this later on when they wouldn't fit for the movies, but he wants glory. He wants attention. But cops have gotten very good at keeping that, which is amazing. He was so the, supposed to be the smartest guy in the world and he can't figure out to say, hey, by the way, I'm the one who did this, guys. And that felt really unrealistic to me until I met all these comedians who are so incredibly funny and can't promote themselves. It's like, oh, okay, this is this is basically the same <laughs> thing here. <laughs> but this is the mindset of the time. Uh, and again, these, these units have just been created. Then in 1864, Chicago, 1870, Boston, 1877, London, 
disbanded. All of the police departments were disbanded because their detective units were just filled with widespread corruption, enough that they couldn't keep it under control. It's same thing in 1877, but they didn't disband. They just kind of said, oh yeah, this happened. We should probably stop, but then they didn't stop. <laughs> so just to recap, it took them 20 years to be like, God damn it, we fucked this up. We fucked this up real bad. It did. And basically England or London renamed it to CID in Chicago and, and New York and Boston. They just kind of reformed it and still had the same issues. And when they brought it back, there were no problems with Chicago policing ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to get too into the, the cop history because it's obviously can go a lot farther back. But how this ties into the culture and film and television was super relevant because this is the reality that's portrayed in detective stories at the time. If you needed something solved, it had to be done outside of the law. And th this was just understood. This was also understood that police were corrupt. This wasn't a matter of opinion. This was how the hierarchy was structured. In fact, many of the highest positions were bought. They were paid for to the people in the highest positions. So it wasn't like, oh, maybe cops are good, maybe they're bad. This was a system that was run on corruption and graft. So every story about them featured the same thing. This was just the reality that everyone dealing with the police were living with. And I, I think that ties into where it went wrong for us, too. So, Mahanan, where did it go wrong with us? You know, I think it went wrong, I would say, for like me personally. It's just like when I started rewatching all of my favorite shows after I gained more understanding of like the police and how they function, how they work and, and all of that. Because I mean, for me, like growing up, and I mean, first of all, I didn't even grow up in the U.S. So I'm like my whole understanding of the police in the States, I got from TV. You know, and all you see is like these people are like like so hardworking. They're so smart. They're just like solving crime, and like the criminals are like so bad. Like they're like indefensible. They're always the most horrible people that you can imagine. And then obviously, like after like I gained like more understanding of like how police functions here, like how corrupt and like police brutality and all of that. I went and watched like Law and Order SVU, and one of the things that caught my eye was like most of the shit that they do on the show is illegal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's not okay. I'm like, did you just? punch someone in the interrogation room is that what you just did <laughs> it it's insane because it is absolutely painted as the idea of we're both breaking the law but i'm breaking the law for good yeah for justice absolutely yeah and like the other thing is like there's like in law and order svu and i'm sure it's it's a concept in other shows too but they talk about like one pp and it's kind of like the police hr kind of so the police person shoots someone or whatever they have to do like an internal investigation into it and these were portrayed as the bad guys right god so internal investigation are always the villains and at no point do they address the irony of oh so you think being investigated is a bad thing this is what you're doing to every single person that you feature in every episode that's not a cop but it's bad when it happens to you 100 percent also, if someone is a therapist, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, they have like the, the have the uh, the detective talking to a therapist, and be like, "Well, you just killed someone. You shot them in the head. Like, how does that affect you?" I'm like, hey, you're just wasting my time right now. I could be out in the street catching bad guys, but. Look at you. Just want to talk about emotions and shit. What is this? I could be shooting so many criminals in the head right now, and you're stopping me from that. Yeah, your job is bullshit. And every time they like want to introduce the topic of just like, hey, this is a suspect. Let's use some psychological things with them. Like, we're not going to like try and fuck with them. It's just like mostly like try and get into them, like connect. But, like, no, 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 no. We do things differently here. 
We punch them in the face. <laughs> we threaten these people. That's what we do. And one of like the most mind-boggling things, this is SVU, so Special Victims Unit. And sometimes like they get a suspect and they're like, oh, you know what's going to happen to you in prison? I'm like, what are you even saying right now? You're the Special Victims Unit. Your job is to stop the same thing you're trying to threaten this person with. I'm just like, what is this? I don't get it, you know? It's absolutely insane. And you're right. Once you built up, when you grow up with, with this as this propaganda, where it is painted so clearly as it's always black and white, when it's not black and white, it's they tried to do the right thing and there was no right thing or there are there are repercussions they couldn't have possibly seen one of the things that i read that was interesting too is is that cop shows are understandably but always seen through the eyes of the cops there's no cop show where you're seeing what's happening through the you know occasionally have it with movies where they show it from both sides but obviously the, the criminal isn't in the precinct everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story that's that's what humanity is and it's portrayed like, okay, but these guys actually are because we're seeing it through them. And I did some some research into how this started because when films started, that previous view of police's bumbling was still standard in, the, in their Keystone Cops in the silent film era. Then in 1910, seeing how they were portrayed, rather than changing anything, the International Association of Chiefs of Police adopted a resolution condemning the movie business for the way they depicted police officers. Oh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> So there's also some police reform going around at this time because, you know, Teddy Roosevelt has, has taken over in the late 1890s. Nowhere near enough. I mean, he's like overhauling a system, but there were big changes, but we know what the state is today. So clearly not enough. But it started to shift the public's view. And it also coincided with the realization of the commodity of celebrity. So the film industry wanted to escape police censorship and they realized they had a lot of power in their stars and their stars were committing crimes. And they needed police cooperation to cover it up. They also needed the cooperation to get permits and escape regulations. So now they had a lot of incentive to get police on their side. So the depiction of the bumbling cop in films just be, slowly becomes less and less common. The problem was cops are being shown as corrupt in movies. And then the movie industry was just like, well, hey, hey if you're corrupt for us, we'll stop doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it was at no point did they consider a solution of we should stop being a corrupt it was, let's be corrupt in a way that benefits everyone involved. That benefits Hollywood. Great. It, that benefits Fantastic. Hollywood and, of course, benefits the, the cops, too. I don't understand why conspiracy theories get so so much traction. This <laughs> was absolutely insane. And, and you, you see this so clearly today. What, what shows are you guys watching now? Are there any cop shows that you still watch? Well, I mean, other than SVU, I've been... Uh... What else? I mean, I watched Mindhunter, like, not too long ago, but that's, like, an FBI, kind of. Finished Sherlock as well. Also, like, you know, like, I, I feel like I watch a lot of, like, detective stuff. Cop stuff, mostly SVU, honestly. And I feel like I... Because the other shows are just, like... I feel like they used to be good, as in, like, the storyline was good. Now they're just, like, insufferable. Just so bad. I mean, I, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That was Hannibal, mine, too. which I've mentioned in the past. Which, once again, if you haven't seen Hannibal... I know we're talking about propaganda and how it's bad, but Hannibal is a fucking work of art. <laughs> that takes place in a dream logic anyways. So, yeah, cops can be good in that, I guess. They're even shitty in that. Never mind. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I think now it's even worse, because, like, now the shows are, like, trying to be, like, more aware of what's happening and the like the uh, like just like the environment and everything 
and they're trying to address it in the shows themselves. And the way they do it is just so bad. Right. Yeah, there's no way to like handle it well because it's usually just like, oh, don't worry. There's one cop that's bad, and we kicked him out, guys. Everything's fine. <laughs> or like it's just like it ends up like with the police officers like learning, but like after like ruining someone's life. <laughs> right. Like I remember like in one of the episodes they got like someone kicked out of their jobs and like and and did all of this shit to them. And then they were like, you know what? One thing I've learned that I have internal biases and I should have done better. Next time, <laughs> I will not stop people just because of the color of their skin. <laughs> but the guy who lost his job, I mean, hard luck, dude. I'm sorry. Like, what can we do about that? But I've learned something. I wish I learned this last week. I really do. But... <laughs> no, they've exactly. really reverted back to the, well, the crime is already committed. It's not my job to solve it. It reminds me of a Black Klansman, which fantastic movie, but it has this whole scene where like they bust one of the cops being racist and then everyone in the precinct like comes out in a sting operation. Just like, we caught you, motherfucker. You're <laughs> out of here for your racism. And it's just like, no, that wasn't the one racist cop in the entire thing. <laughs> See, but that's the thing, though, like. What they view as racism, like you have to be like like a clan member. Like you have to be like a member of a hate group in order for them. Because like basically at that point, the only reason you're bad is because you belong to another group that is not cops. And that's it. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. 
the only reason you're bad is because you belong to another group that is not cops. And that's it. That's yeah, a very no, good point. That's a great point. Yeah, you're, you're right. They, there's never any discussion of the deeply internalized racism that the fact that the practices that are upheld as standard are deeply harmful to basically any non-white community. And this is this is standard practice. This is this is basically in the, the rule books here. And when it's addressed in cop shows, I, I like the way Brooklyn Nine-Nine had tried to do it a couple times where they actually said, you know, this is all over. This, this is a deeper issue. But it's still pointing to the few people that did it. It's not pointing to we need an absolute overhaul of the system, which is, is obviously what's needed. You have a loyalty here to racism and to the brotherhood of cops and, instead of actually helping people. The fact that this isn't addressed in these shows as the big issue is like, this should be the biggest issue. I, I'm glad you're solving crime in these TV shows. That's nice. I'm glad you caught the murderer. But shouldn't this be like a really big priority for you if you're not racist and in a cop show? Yeah. And I mean, like, I feel like if you ask anyone why they respect and love cops, it's literally what they see on TV. Like, if you ask someone, be like, okay, tell me, tell me a real story, like a local story of like your local police that makes you respect and like cops. And they can come up with nothing. It's just what they hear. It's their idea of cops. It's not the cops themselves. You're absolutely right. I was excited about this episode in general because I, I thought it was a fantastic topic. But also for our listeners who know how I, I nerd about both history and structure, I had different aspects to discuss at each point of the story. And this is playing out just like I hoped in my head. I'm very excited about this. So <laughs> we have a discussion here about how this came to be, this format. So after World War II, this movie genre develops that they dub as semi-documentary films. These are basically the first police procedurals. And these were dramatizations or fictionalizations of actual crimes. And they were often filmed on location with the cooperation of law enforcement that had worked the cases. So one of these was, these were movies to start. He Walked by Night gives Jack Webb, who's then a radio actor, the idea for a radio drama series depicting police work in the same style. In 1949, this appears as Dragnet on the radio. Then in 1951, it transitions to television. And this was when suddenly police became represented as symbols of bravery and heroism. And this happened because Dragnet wanted authenticity. They wanted real cop cars and real police officers and real stories. And to get all of that from the LAPD, they made a deal allowing the LAPD to vet all of their scripts. Every single scene, LAPD decided if they wanted it in. <laughs> so every time it was just like, okay, so in real life, we beat the shit out of a witness that turned out to be innocent. And the LAPD was just like, cool, strike that scene. Yep, yeah. And and Webb, you know, gave in pretty much every time. So anything that the cops didn't want discussed, they didn't want seen, they didn't want to become public knowledge, it was all put away here. And they were portrayed as these heroes in the name of authenticity. They decided to get real cop cars instead of real stories, which is insane. That's pretty cool, because like when I watch true crime, I, I like it when at the end, I find out that the serial killer is the one who directed the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, by Ted Bundy. Amazing. Yes, now I know it's true. Look, we really worked closely with the Night Stalker on this case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what, what's amazing, though, is like when you're taught how to research, one of the first things you're taught is to check your sources. This is, see, is this person involved in the thing he's saying is so good? If he is, it's probably not reliable. That is not at all the case for media or history for that matter, but that's a larger issue where it's, it's who is, is writing this, who is involved. And yeah, I mean, if the person has final say is obviously going to make themselves look as good as possible. And people loved it. The genre became huge. This was like the birth of the cop show as, as a whole and of the police procedural. See, that's why when I watch like a, a like 
most true crime documentaries or something. I mean, that's not what they're pushing, obviously, but the underlying message is always that this person got away with it for so long because the cops were extremely dumb. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, because like, I remember like I watched one and I, and I think, I can't remember the exact name, but it was like called something like the genius devil or like whatever. And I watched it and I was like, I'm expecting like this person to be like, fuck them over, just so smart. And then literally I'm just like, oh, okay, these people are just so bad at their job. Yeah. <laughs> like they literally came to this person's home and they were like, so there's a body in your freezer and you have no idea how it got there. And he's like, yep, no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, does anyone have access to it? Like, uh, it's just only me. I have no idea who did it. And then they were like, okay, I guess if you, if you say so. And then crime started happening in the same neighborhood. And then they come to that guy who's like, yep. No idea. And then after the sixth time, they were like, I think it's you. And he was like, oh, okay, I guess you got me. It's me. <laughs> and they were like, good job. Good job, guys. We did it. We, yeah. we cracked the case. It reminds me of uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer case. One of Dahmer's victims got out of his apartment and went to the police. And they were like, the guy that's killing everybody. I just left his apartment. And Jeffrey Dahmer walked up to them and they just went, I'm very sorry. My friend here is on drugs. I need to take him home. And they were like, good. Get that homosexual on drugs out of my sight. And he just got to bring the guy home and murder him there. Like the cops literally were just like, ah, I don't the, shut your game out. I don't want to listen to this. Get get out of here. Go with your boyfriend. Go home. Like they were so prejudiced and they were so just like not wanting to deal with it that when like someone walks up and goes, I know who's doing all the serial murders and I can walk you back to his apartment. They were just like, mm, that sounds, that we yeah. don't want to go to that gay guy's <laughs> apartment. Thank you very much. And I, I think that's one of the things that's not talked about as much too is that prejudice is very much discussed in who they're accusing of crimes, but it's also who they're not accusing of crimes. And you know, you you see it in in the the wealthy, of course, how often they get away with it because of, of lawyers and connections and power. But just the idea that you are going to miss so much when your first assumption is always racist, <laughs> or the crimes that you care about are just the ones that are just like, do they look like me? Okay, cool. Then we got a case that we got to crack today. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because like I I I've read like I don't I don't know where I read that, but I was like that most like they were like like they were like why why is it that most serial killers are like white? And I'm like, well, because the other communities don't get to do that. <laughs> they, just, they don't get to become serial. They just get caught after the first one. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, of course, it makes sense. To, and depending on who the victim is, too, of course, crimes are taken so much more seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because like, there's this one, and it's based on a true story, like Mindhunter. Like, there was like this case in Atlanta, and it was a black man like doing is was a serial killer. But the reason he didn't get caught because he only killed like black children. So because the victim is black kids, they never like bothered to really get into it. So it's just like you're either like dealing with like a serial white killer and then you don't catch them, or the victims are like black kids or something and then you don't catch them as well. And you know, th this is obviously something that could be portrayed in these dramas. And I've seen them portray stories about how a serial killer got away with it. And instead of doing these true stories, they say, oh, he randomized his pattern. That's a story that comes up so often. He killed all these people we care about, but in different ways. It's like, dude, there's there's true stuff happening here. You can reference any of this. You guys were wrong. It's OK to say that on TV. Yeah, no, they're like, it's 
it's always a person doing the crime who's a genius. It's never them just not doing their job right or just being extremely dumb. Right. <laughs> and I mean, just imagine any job where you are absolutely terrible at it. And you keep saying, oh, no, you know, the, the guy I gave it to, he didn't understand it. He was too smart for all of us. Like, no, maybe you just did a bad job. And that that is not used as a standard here. No, like there are no Hannibal Lecters. There are just like killers that like were not caught at the time of the killing. <laughs> like, right. And the thing is that they really have pushed the idea of like the genius serial killer, too. And it was like, I mean, yeah, there have been a couple smart ones, but people think that it is there's like a Hannibal Lecter thing out there it's like no for the most part serial killers are not very smart this has not been a statistical thing where they're geniuses or they're they're abundant they're just killers they're just killers and the cops weren't great at their jobs John Wayne Gacy was a party clown not because he was a genius in disguise he was <laughs> he was a dumbass that loved to do murders to an undesirable group of people in the police's eyes so they didn't really investigate it that hard yeah <laughs> yeah, even like with the Ted Bundy documentary, they were like, well, we couldn't catch him because look at this man. He's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hot Republican right there. <laughs> Would a hot man kill women? Absolutely not. Never happened before. It's just always those uggos doing it. <laughs> <laughs> look, we never expected it. We never expected a guy that handsome. And you know what? Part of me thinks he didn't actually do it. And he's like on the tapes like, I did it. And they're like, no, don't play the tape. His voice is so sexy. I can't, I can't. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot even look at that man in the eye i cannot and there gets to be another shift in television where obviously again this this blew up after dragnet in the 60s and 70s or there were more and more in the 80s but what they start to slowly inject into these stories as they get grittier and grittier is the idea that the police have to break the law to catch criminals and in fact they're heroes for doing it at no point do they say we're criminals too. And one, by the way, if you have to break the law to do your job, you should be better at your job. <laughs> that is a completely separate issue in and of itself. But the, the standard here is just supposed to be accepted that they're the good guys for committing their crime. But any justification the criminal might have, it's very much lay Miz if everyone was against Jean Valjean for stealing bread. It was like 100%, he's the bad guy. He should be in prison for 20 years because he stole that bread. And this is the perspective that that's perpetuated as if you're glorifying crime on one side, that's obviously shouldn't be what's happening. But if you're doing it, you don't even want to acknowledge that there are reasons for crime, that there's an industry here, a complex that has led to crime in these areas that you haven't done anything about. And it just further pushed the idea that cops should be allowed to break rules, that their moral compass is somehow superior. And that is a dangerous idea to put out there. As we've seen, we know what's happened from it. And it's an abundant thought process. If you want an idea of how much that idea permeated pop culture, we have the show House, which is about doctors <laughs> who just break into people's homes and they're just like, it's for the greater good. And like everyone just rolled with it. Yeah, <laughs> That show had the entire, because it was a Sherlock Holmes story, but like, they were doing all the beats of a procedural show. And then they're just like, well, to do that, you have to show them like interrogating patients and breaking into people's homes and investigating. It's just like, that's not how doctors work. What do you think a patient is? No, also, I mean, like, there's also this like thing with cop shows where like, it's okay for them to lie to people in order for them to catch them. And usually it just ends up like getting like an innocent person in jail. Because, like, what they do uh, is just, like, they would do something like, they're like, well, we found your DNA on the body. And you either say you did it and get two years in jail, or you say you didn't 
and you get 25 years. And in that position, you will just take the two years because it just seems like you can just at least be out at that time. And then eventually they learn that it wasn't you. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, they're like, why did you confess? I'm like, why did I confess? What do you think? You told me my DNA was there. Even I would believe that it's me. Right. <laughs> That's the thing, because in cop shows, they, they're able to do this whole thing where they're just like, oh, well, guess what? I never mentioned that his grandfather was visiting that weekend. And then they just scream like, okay, I did it. I did the murders. And like, that's everyone's idea of how police work works when really it's just tricking your first suspect into taking a plea deal so that you can just close the case and go home to your horrible wife. <laughs> well, and yeah, it, it has permeated the culture so much here that they have even put out the idea of he wouldn't have confessed unless he's guilty enough that you get people parroting it as if it's a real thing and that's something they learned from TV. And as I know, a lot of people confess because it was made clear to them they have no option. They're going to be going to prison whether or not they're guilty. So how do you want to do it? And if those are your choices to be in prison no matter what, then yeah. Of course, yeah. especially if they, you stay like over like 24 hours and you like literally don't sleep or eat or like do anything, you just want to get out of there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just being kept in a brightly lit room for like hours on end. Yeah, that that definitely fucks with people. You know, I watched a very interesting documentary about the guy that interrogated Saddam Hussein and the discussion of these principles of interrogation. At this point, you know, they have Saddam Hussein. They don't really need him to confess to anything. They're trying to get it for the trial. But He's discussing the intricacies with which they have the discussion, and he's also discussing this as a human being that he's interacting with. And that's not something you you ever see here. The interrogation is all about breaking. And that, again, is a, a disturbing mindset to get into, that, that if that's what their job as police is, is to break a person, how is that possibly going to be a healthy ending? Just the whole mindset behind it is a very disturbing process. I will say, when I first got the topic, and it was just like, we're going to be talking about cop shows. I did not realize my brain went to my Southern white trash roots and I immediately hopped on what I associated with cop shows, which was cops. That was like my like go-to, like I didn't think like all the law and orders. I didn't think about all the other, like, you know, SVU, murder, she wrote, all that stuff. I immediately hopped on just like the show that like everyone knew of just the documentary. These are real cops doing their real job. So I did all all my research on the show cops for this episode and but i think it panned out because guys guess what that show is fucked up as hell and like this past summer they were like we're going to stop doing cops we're going to end live pd we understand <laughs> these shows are dangerous but they brought them both back like those shows are both coming back on the air so i just kind of wanted to get a little bit into those. Have are you guys familiar? Do we all know what we're talking about when I say cops and life PD? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So basically the idea was cops was like the first reality show. Truly. They had the idea of we're going to bring cameras and basically it was propaganda for the war on drugs. They were just like, this will be cheap to produce. You get people to back it. And the way they got precincts to back it, the same way they did with Dragnet, they were like, you guys have final say of what goes into an episode of Cops. You get to review all the footage and let us know what's unusable. And guys, guess what? They cut out every bad thing <laughs> that a cop ever does. And then also, they'll leave in a bunch of shitty things that cops do. And it's just like, oh, this is fine. This is this is just, you know, people doing what, you know, 
they just are doing what needs to be done. There's actually an episode where they shove a flashlight into a black teenager's mouth and make him hold it there while they search his car. Like, that's that's not tough. Like, that's not being tough on crime. That's just being an abusive asshole. But these things exist. Right. That's horrifying. And and they frame it in a in a way as if it's justified because of course that's what you can do when you can edit your own story. And I know from one of the links you sent me, because this is in syndication, it will air up to twenty times in a single day. I mean, for people that watch the show and are watching this constant stream of propaganda, I, I mean, it's it's insane. And especially as you said, this started to further their position on the, on the war on drugs, which also meant that the way they framed crime was significantly skewed. The number of drug-related crimes was far higher than anything actually happening in the world. And I, I know one of the, the other things you had, you had sent me on this as well was the abuse that happened after the filming that they're required to get the signature because you you watch and you wonder like why are these people allowing their faces to be shown they showed up at their hearings demanding they sign the paper all but one in this group of like 10 that they interviewed said they never signed anything they never gave permission for this but they were used anyway and also you gotta remember they were a neat like a lot of these people are inebriated and sometimes on drugs when they're getting arrested Fine. A lot of people are on drugs. I'm sure there are people listening to this episode right now who are on drugs. Good for you, uh, people. You know, some, sometimes, you know, drugs are fun. Uh, but, like, <laughs> you're having people sign when they're not in their right minds. And there was one case, uh, they, they didn't get into it in the article, but if there's a great podcast, if you guys are wanting to listen to uh, how fucked up this whole process is called Running From Cops, they would phrase it as, we need you to sign this release form trying to get the people to believe that they are signing a form for their own release from being detained by the police. I'm so angry at all of this. This <laughs> this is this is insane. This is insane that you are breaking the law while making a show glorifying yourself for catching criminals. How are you not dead just from an overdose of irony at this point? This is insane that this exists. I think they need to release like a whole season of cops that are just like every footage that they did not use. And that's the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. They give the cops final say, but if you even like, if you watch the show, 44% of all arrests in that show are low-level drug arrests, okay? And 46% of all the crimes shown are African Americans, 50% uh, and we're talking about in the first half of an episode, 46% of our African-Americans, 50% are Latinos. So like in the first front end of the show, before the first commercial break, they front end it with almost entirely people of color. And they try to say it's because those were the most action-packed arrests. Or those are the only people you went after. That feels like a strong possibility here. Well, no, they're the most action-packed because those are the people you're actually chasing down right. and doing action against. Right. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of something what I, I've noticed when I was watching SVU the other day, which is every episode, if a person has any type of accent, you know for a fact that they did it. It's the person they're looking for. <laughs> Always, 100%. It's always accent. It's just, I'm just like, this person is involved somehow. And usually, 90% of the time, because it takes place in New York, usually it has something to do with terrorism. They're always connected to a ring or something. I mean, you're right. It, the way you can look at this and see like, okay, this is the guy they're clearly trying to paint as bad here. And with 
incredibly racist undertones that nobody's even trying to hide. It's overtones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose that would be then. Yeah, if you're not trying to hide it. No, it's just overtones. And it, it's just so blatant. And it's I mean, it's insane that this is considered at, at all acceptable, that this isn't being overrun. And, and again, I just want to go back to the number of 22 percent of all scripted shows on network TV are these shows. This is not like, oh, this is happening occasionally. This is a quarter of what is out there is propaganda is is propaganda in a support of a racist system and uh it's glorifying the people here in a way that that makes them harder and harder to investigate obviously we all know what's happening in the world and in america right now and uh i'm so glad uh, to see so many people fighting and rising up and seeing how each time it gets shut down is incredibly disheartening and we didn't want to do a whole episode on the real history of, of police because I, I felt like that was one that would just rightfully make everyone angry and probably one that we shouldn't include jokes on. We wanted to be more TV-based. But it was it, I felt it was really important, too, to tie this into what is happening in real life. There is a direct correlation here of, like, exact opposite of reality and what you're putting on TV. And instead of changing around, it's like, oh, this format works. Let's just do it again. Let's make like a 19 law and order. That's why it's very hard to like convince people about like like defunding the police or like any of that. Because like a lot of people view cops as heroes and that we cannot exist with that. People imagine if there were like no cops, then everyone will just commit crime and criminals will just do everything they want. And it will just, yeah, and everything will be on fire. And I'm like, most of this stuff go on fire when they, cops are around. And that's the problem. And also, I'm going to be honest. I feel like I could get away with crime. It's not cops that are preventing me from committing crime. It's just a basic understanding of society. And like, yes, I'm sure there would be people out there that could do it. But again, once you hear all of these stories about the ineptness of cops, it's like, oh, I could be getting away with this stuff. And I'm still choosing not to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what is the percentage of like cold cases out there? There's so many of them just go unsolved. Because, like, they just don't – and I'm just like, they're literally useless. They literally do nothing, and it's just – they most of the time, they don't even show up. They show up late. I have been – like, I have – like, in college, I have my house broken into, and the only helpful thing that the cops did was let me have a police report to show to the insurance company like that was it like they yeah were, like they were just like okay we're on the case it was just like all right sorry about your stuff man uh it's gone there it's not gonna turn up we're not doing anything about this you know it's it, it was just like oh yeah here's a here's a piece of paper you write down how much everything was worth and uh you know good luck fighting with your insurance company. And that was basically it. It's not like they were like really putting some hard hours into it. <laughs> right. And something that I, I think is being more understood, but still apparently not heard by many is that defund the police doesn't mean we're just taking the money away and doing nothing with it. It's, it's understanding that the police might not be the best solution in most of these scenarios. And that, I mean, I, I had a, f a friend who reached out, they, they had someone they wanted to do a wellness check on. And they said, I'm scared to have the police go over there. Who do we know in the area that we can have go check on them? We're going to put this money back into society. We're going to put it into counselors, into people that can go and help people that need it. There are people with specific jobs to help rehabilitate. Defund the police doesn't mean like, hey, we're just going to take this money and give it straight to the government. They can do whatever they want. There are better ways. And it feels so obvious. It's like one of those things that I don't get how people aren't behind. It was like, do you feel in any way like this system is working? And I guess if you're, you know, rich and powerful, it is working for you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is like laziness as well. People just don't, it's just like, it doesn't bother me. Honestly, they did, like they never did anything to me personally. And if they're bothering other people, I'm not going to look into it. 
you know, just too much work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a further thing, because, you know, we could go on and on about, you know, cops, good or bad. But I'm just going to say, like, from the thing of just you have the whole thing of fictional entertainment creating an aura of their great, beautiful people that you should always respect. And they, you know, even when they break the law, it's for you. But then you have these other programs, the reality programs, that kind of just set themselves up so you can look down on people who are in the worst moments of their life a lot of the time so that you can laugh at them. And also, those people who are being arrested, that's all that's happening. They are being arrested. They're not being convicted of any crime. And yet... Their faces are going to be on television forever. There is one case where they searched this woman's car and they found a white powder substance and they arrested her for cocaine on television. You know, there's her face. You are being arrested for cocaine. Uh, it's in your car and you're being sent to uh, jail to be booked on this. And guess what? It was some kind of sugar powder donut substance. But guess what? That episode still airs to this day. She doesn't get to pull that episode off the air and have them clarify and say she was not actually doing cocaine. She actually just has a little bit of a sweet tooth. No, she is now known as the person who was on Cops who was doing cocaine in her car forever. And there's nothing she can do about it. There's no retraction. There's nothing. And that's what these shows kind of do and create when there are these reality shows. They can put up a disclaimer of just like, innocent until proven guilty. But guess what? You just had a cop say to this woman, you did cocaine 30 times on camera and then had no follow-up. She was one of the ones, too, that did not sign the release, correct? I believe she she did not sign the release. I think she might be one of the people that they sh they try to force her to over and over again. But still... Her episode still airs in reruns to this day. There was one show that I wanted to discuss. Have, do either of you watch Blacklist? No. I have watched the first season of Blacklist. James Spader is... James Spader's great, but he's a criminal, so I'm, I'm all for rooting for him. <laughs> right. And Blacklist was one of the ones where I consistently do not know how I feel about it. There are parts where it's like, clearly this is wrong. I feel bad about it. I hate that you're promoting this. But for our audience, too, that might not know, this is an NFBI unit. The world's greatest criminal, James Spader, uh, who, very believable, by the way, he's, he's fantastic in it. He's great in everything. Yeah. <laughs> says, there are criminals so bad you don't even know about them. I'm going to help you catch them. And obviously, he's got his own motives for doing this. And it's also this slowly him making them see that the world is not black and white and there are shades to this, but it's largely in ways that get them to break rules. And... It's one of the one that paints better the idea of who villains can be, even though a lot of these are, are far too extreme to exist in real life. But the idea of that they give them stories around it, that there's that there's motive around it. But I'm constantly confused about who is supposed to be good and who's supposed to be bad in it. And that's an aspect that I liked. I mean, I, I don't like that, 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 of course, that they're still glorifying cops breaking rules here. But it's the only one where they at least sometimes kind of say like, oh, this was probably wrong. We we don't know. <laughs> that's, that's as close as they get. They don't ever get we were wrong. They get to we don't know if this was wrong. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that they're trying that. But also, like, does this still need to be a thing? Welcome to the podcast where Andrew tries to work out his feelings on the blacklist. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. This would have been maybe slightly better if you guys had seen it. But honestly, not much. <laughs> 
So audience, you know, feel free to, to write in. So I don't feel so alone in this one, but no, I mean, I, and I think modern TV has just pushed it further and further. You know, they remade Hawaii five Oh, except in this one, they said they gave what they called ways and means. They said, you can do anything you want. You're not going to be prosecuted for it. Anything you need to do to catch the criminal you're allowed to do now. And this is like in the first episode, that is a horrifying precedent. And especially that they do it in this lighthearted, we're Hawaii five Oh, Remember that show that you, you loved before and we were just the good guys? We've now given this man a license to kill. Right. <laughs> like, right. I mean, at least with James Bond, it was, I mean, at least James Bond now, before it was James Bond was always the good guy, no matter what. Now it was like, oh, okay, he's he's kind of just a murderer, right? He's, he's a murderer. <laughs> All right. So we've nailed everything that we hate about copaganda, about cop shows that overly glorify a system that we're not huge fans of. However, we do have our next segment in this show called In Their Defense, where we try to defend the thing we just shit upon for a whole hour. So guests usually get first dibs if they want to take a shot at it, but me and Andrew are adept at bullshitting if we need to. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I say, I mean, for for me, I watched, what, 22 seasons of SVU, and I rewatched them recently in the pandemic. I mean, the stories outside of them being cops, the story are great, you know, like they're just like, they're very intriguing and you, and they like touch on topics that are like, you know, like they're just showing like, hey, not everything is like black and white, it's someone like they're like a gray area and, and they talk about that too and, and try and talk about like some stuff that I, I feel like are really like so hard for people to talk about and discuss, which is crazy. Like they really dive into that and like talk about like consent and all of that. So there's just so much that is like outside of their work as cops that are like being discussed on the show that I think is very interesting and really, I mean, I don't know. It's just like maybe helps people like get an understanding of what's like, it doesn't have to be like something violent for something to be considered like a sexual assault or anything. So that's like good for people to learn like the ways they can hurt someone, like prevent themselves. So like from like doing that in the future or whatnot, hopefully that's something is accomplishing. And it also something for me to uh, pass time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's true too, that outside of the fact that, you know, this is political police propaganda, there is one entertainment value to here. And two, there are important issues being discussed. I think they're being discussed wrong a lot of the times, but for a lot of the people, this is something that, that resonates and this is something that they needed to hear. And I'm, I'm glad that exists in some form. It's just, we need to do a lot better in, in how we present it. But also, yeah, you know what? We are in a pandemic and I've, you know, rewatched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I've I finished Lucifer. <laughs> I got caught up on everything. It's This has provided entertainment. It was entertaining. And that's that's why they're able to put so much into it. We just, we just need to do better in how we're doing it because there, in fact, are fascinating, important stories to be told here if we're telling them the right way, too. It doesn't have to be this way to tell these important stories. Yeah, I feel like there's, like, other, like, outside of them being cop shows that we can talk about these topics, you know, like... You can present them through someone who's a therapist or you can present them through the victims themselves or like, you know, there's just so many people that you can like give voice to that they can like talk about these issues and like really get deep into them and without just being like, while we're trying to do this, we shot two people and, you know, that's the price. Right. If you're investigating a crime, other people are involved. You can you can tell us their story, too. And in fact, not, you know, as you said, they're, they're, uh, the, the victims, the perpetrators, the, the, the therapists, there are a lot of anger angles to cover this. And there are a lot of fascinating real stories out there that we can discuss. Uh, and I think it's just, it's just finding a better way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Like fuck the show cops and life PD. I'm not going to try to defend those.
shows at all. But I will say there is something, shows are trying to be better about it and how they're presenting it. And not every show is going to hit the mark, of course. Most of them, the vast majority, have not. But there is something to be said about if you have that understanding and you're able to watch a show that is able to kill time and bring you joy and you've done the reading and you know kind of how you're feeling about it and you're not going to get sucked into propaganda of it there's some entertainment value there i don't like watching you know i watched all of dexter but i fucking hate serial killers (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you're able to uh separate yourself and be like yeah not every cop is going to be you know iced tea yeah you can probably be able to have a healthier understanding of it and it also for the people who don't have a healthy understanding when the shows do go out of their way to present things in better ways there might be more susceptible to it than if somebody is just saying tweets that they're not actually going to read or pay attention to but just get mad at maybe maybe a lesson to to them by ice tea who they've welcomed to their home over the course of 20 seasons there will be more uh receptive to that message than just some uh me just saying the, all my thoughts online yeah <laughs> No, I think that's very true. And I'd say that just about covers it. That is pretty much everything about police procedurals and, and detective shows in general. What do you guys think? I think we killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of us. I think it was great. It's bad. It's they're bad and Unless, here's the thing, unless I land my first role in one of these shows, then somehow they're good. At that point, we delete this episode and we pretend like it never happened. Yeah, they're good. I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're trying to table something here and we, like, you know. This is going to be so heavily edited over the next two weeks, just cut and paste (laughs) until we can be in favor of this for the show we're all going to write for. If I can write for one, my soul costs whatever the WGA minimum is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the second you get it, we all we ask is for one residual for one of your episodes and we'll delete this episode we'll pretend it never happened we'll actually do a backup episode to talk about how great the show you're working on is i love that Oh, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to this. We certainly enjoyed making it. Mohanad, thank you so much for coming on. As you know, I've been a fan of yours for quite a while. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I know we've gotten to work together before on Cabin Fever. And we're going to be doing it again soon, um, I think, before this this uh, one comes out. But this was a great topic idea, and I'm so glad we got to discuss it. So thank you very much. Thank you, man. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps us out so much. We also have a Patreon up now that helps us keep this show running. That link is going to be down in the show notes. If you can uh, subscribe, it helps us out so much we have patrons now so that's fun we do have patrons now so thank you very much to our patrons uh for you i i am buying a better microphone because of you uh (laughs) so you're absolutely helping us keep this show running and uh we will be back next week we hope you will be too when i'll see you next week bye bye bye